Welcome, tennis fans, to the 27th episode of Tennis Trivers, Exploring the Game, the podcast that delves into the heart of the tennis world. I'm your host, Ivy J, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the Lars Cobbles, Rio, and the Dubai Open. Before we begin, please follow all of my social medias, that is Instagram and Twitter, using at Tennis Trivers, that is at Tennis Trivers. I said that I was really active on Twitter, but that hasn't been the case lately. I feel like I'm just active there if there's Grand Slams because there's just like so much news surrounding that one tournament. But for now, I'm not that active. Sorry, but I feel like my main focus is still on school and I feel like spending that much time on social media isn't really good because I get distracted over like tennis news really easily. So yeah. If you're listening on YouTube, comment, like, and subscribe. If you're listening on other streaming platforms, please rate my show. Oh, so, sorry, I do want to point out that um, even though I said I'm not really active, if you guys want to just message me or, like, DM me about anything, I check, check it daily. I just don't post anything. So, I will definitely make sure to respond to your messages if you guys decided to reach out. And, yeah, that's enough. Let's just get right into today's episode. So this week for me has been really chill because we had a week off from school and all I did was watch tennis and homework because I didn't go anywhere. So, and I think it's really good because honestly, there's been a lot of good tennis matches going on. So I sort of talked about most of them were the ones that I think are worth talking about, which is three of them. And I arranged them in a format that's like an increasing importance in a way. So the first tournament I want to talk about is going to be a 250 tournament for the men's side. The second tournament I want to talk about is going to be a 500 tournament on the men's side. And then the third one is going to be an 1000 tournament for the girls. And I'll also preview the men's side, which will be happening soon. So yeah, I guess we'll just get right into today's episode. Sorry, the intro's a bit long, but we'll start off with the Los Cabos Open. So this is a tournament that takes place in Mexico, and it's a 250 tournament. So um, I'll just start off by summarizing some interesting matchups that I saw. So the first one I want to talk about is Kokonakis versus Draper. Because, I don't know, I think the score was really close if you guys want to go check it out. And Kokonakis completed a comeback. So, I will also, I will leave all the links to the matchups I talked about in the description in case you guys want to go check out the highlights. And what else? This tournament is, the number one seed is Alexander Zverev, who is in a, well, I think you guys know who he is, but he's like a really famous player he's ranked really high and he he decided to play this 250 tournament which is kind of in my opinion funny but this tournament has a lot of like high-ranked players such as Zverev, Tsitsipas, Rude. there were just like a lot of good player in this tournament and the other matchup I I, okay, well, it wasn't that close, but, like, both of these two matches, but I just want to talk about it, because, I don't know, it's kind of funny to me. Well, not funny, sorry, I can't talk today, but it's, like, really, um, how do I say it? It's, like, a lot of people look forward to it, even though it's not that close. So, the first one is Alexander Zverev versus Kokonakis, and this was really close as well, and 
Zverev ultimately came out on top. The other one is Kaspar Ruud versus Nuno Borges. So Nuno Borges, obviously, he peaked during Australian Open because in Australia, he made it to the fourth round where he lost against Medvedev. But throughout his journey, he beat Grigor Dimitrov, Alejandro David Dovich Fokina. Sorry, I always have trouble pronouncing his name just because it's so long, but... Yeah, he beat a lot of amazing player and the for yeah, so that's why I think that's just I don't know, two matchups that are really interesting. Okay. And then we move on to the semifinals. So I wanna say that both of these semifinals are amazing. So I'll talk about the Zverev versus Thompson one first. So no spoilers alert yet, but Thompson came out on top and nobody well at least I did not suspect it, even though he did really, really well in Brisbane and he had an amazing start of the year because in Brisbane, which is like the first tournament, he beat Rafael Nadal and he went to the semifinal where he lost against Grigor, but still, it was like really, really close. And then in Australian Open, he didn't do that well. He lost in round two, but it was a super, super close match against Tsitsipas. So... We could say that he didn't do, like, I did not expect him to somehow beat um, Zverev because Zverev has been, like, consistent for a long time. But he actually beat him. And in his um, press conference, he talked about sort of making Zverev uncomfortable and, like, putting him out of his normal rhythm. And I think that works really well because the deciding set was a tiebreak and he dominated that tiebreak he won with the score of 7-2 and I'm looking at the stats right now and the stats really can't tell me anything because they both had five aces however I do want to point out the first serve but Zverev is on top of that with 73% compared to Thompson's 56 and rest of the data are really like super super close so I guess it's just how Thompson played and his mindset going into it is really strong and I think no spoilers again, but I think we should definitely look out for him because in Brisbane, he beat Nadal and in this tournament, he beat like Zverev and in the, like in the final, he also beat another amazing player. So I think we should definitely look out for him. And then the other semifinal, on the other hand, is going to be Casper Ruud versus Stefano Tsitsipas. Personally, I did not expect that this will be a matchup in a 250 tournament, but they both decided to play this tournament. And you guys know how much I love Casper Ruud, and I think Casper did really well. I saw somewhere on Twitter that he had 14 total hardcore wins last season, but this season he already has nine. So that just shows how well he trained during the off season and how much he improved. And I think that could really that's really telling because when I was watching his Australian Open performance, even though he lost in round three, I'm pretty sure, I felt like he was just more aggressive. I felt like last season when I'm watching him, he's like more defensive like he liked to be on the defensive side and I get that because he's like super fast he can run to the wall a drop shot and then like go to half court or side to side he's just a really really good athlete and really good at running but I think this season he added more of an offensive side to his game and I love it because me personally I love when players attack rather rather than defense but that's just me because, I don't know, I think both are really important. But I'm really glad that Casper strengthened his um, 
offensive game. So he came out on top with a score of 6-4 and the second set tiebreak with 7-4. So the only notable stat I want to point out is Casper had one break point and he converted that. However, Steph and the Tsitsipas had five break points, but he lost all of that. So that just shows, well, yeah, like he didn't manage to convert any of them. So I guess that just shows the key difference, I feel like. Like, the deciding factor of this match. Okay, now we'll talk about the final. So, the final was Jordan Thompson versus Casper Rude. And Thompson came out on top, which I think, like, half of the people expected. Because I think, like, okay, another half is going to be, like, well, I saw this on Twitter. They're, like, because he played against Zverev in, the, like, the last round, he's probably exhausted because they played such a long match. I believe the match ended at like 1 a.m. And it was like 3 hours and 40 minutes of a three-set match, which is insane. So everyone's like, he's exhausted. But the other half is like, okay, so he, like, he's able to handle top-seeded players. So I think part of the um, people are like, okay, he can't beat Casper Rude. And they were right, because he beat Casper Rude. And the... Stats I want to point out, I guess, is the breakpoint conversion again. Because, okay, to be honest, I feel like this match kind of slipped by Casper Rude because he had 13 breakpoints and he only converted two. Whereas Jordan Thompson had a 100% rate of converting breakpoints. He had three and he converted all of them. So I think just converting breakpoints and handling pressure is such an important thing in Grand Slams, and I think that's one of the reasons why Casper lost, but to be honest, I can't be mad because I really love how Thompson plays, and I, I, I do admit I was underestimating him before, but I think we can't because his run is literally amazing, and on the same day, guys, he beat Casper Root again in doubles, and he won, okay, so basically his, uh, today he won, like, the final, single final, he won a semi-final doubles and the final for doubles. So he had like three wins a day. So that's like probably his best day ever. But yeah, that's it for the Lost Cavalos Open. I think my overall thoughts is that obviously we had some really pleasant um, surprises with Thompson. And I think a lot of top-seeded players decided to play this tournament, such as Zverev, Sissipas, Casper, Rude, and just like a lot of players. And I think that's really interesting because I did not expect that. So yeah, I think that's it. And guys, make sure to keep a look out for um Thompson because he's actually amazing. Okay, let's move on. So we'll now talk about the Rio Open. So I do want to mention that sorry because this final is happening this afternoon. But I'm recording this on a morning, so sorry if, like, I don't have the results. I'm sorry about that. But all I want to talk about is this one kid. <laughs> His name is Francesca, and he is from Rio, and the crowd loves him. So basically, he is 17 years old. He's born in 2006. That's crazy because I'm born in 2007. He's literally a day, no, sorry, a year older than me, and... He, I believe, was is the first ever, like, player born in 2006 and to win, like, a proper ATP match. And, wait, I sound a bit weird, whatever. But 
His run is actually amazing, and when I was seeing him play, right, I thought he played a lot like um, Yannick Sinner. I don't know. I think it's just how he, his stroke and everything and how he controls himself. It's really like how Yannick does it. And his run, his first run opponent was Arthur Fuse, and he bageled him. He bageled him. The score was 6-0 and 6-4. And then he played against Christian Garin, which is also an amazing player, and he won in 6-4-6-4. And then in the quarterfinal, he lost to Mariana Navone, which is sort of sad, but because he's played like in his home crowd, but still, I feel like he did an amazing job just because of how, how young he is. And I do want to say that something i want to point out is the semi-final matchup between navone and nori so cam nori was obviously in pain it was probably struggle with struggling with the heat because it's really hot there and he even tried under answer i don't know if it's his tactic i doubt it i think it's just because he's so um, in pain or exhausted so he tried that but i'm like i don't know if i'm happy that he chose to like like just like play it out and try to with stand his pain or like i think he should withdraw because i feel like it was like sort of a time wait like it wasn't really a quality match because cam nori was obviously in a lot of pain but however i do admire him for sticking it out so i'm kind of kind of conflicted about it okay whatever so the final is going to be sebastian bates versus mariana nevone so bates is the fifth seed of this tournament however i feel like Navone might actually come out on top i don't know i think it's just because of the way he played well actually i changed my mind sorry i think vase is kind of come out on top because to be honest Navone didn't have a really challenging semi-final matchup just because of nori's well injuries and stuff so i think um i think vase is gonna come out on top because he bailed his um his fellow Argentina who Argentinian who was Francisco Sirendolo, who is the fourth seed of this tournament. So I think Bates is gonna come out on top. And okay, this is like sort of unrelated, but I still wanna talk about it and give my own opinion, which is the Alcaraz's decision of playing the exhibition in Las Vegas, like the Netflix thing, just because and even though he had like a second grade tier I think a lot of people online are saying how he's just there for the money. I think, and like how his management like wants him to be there just to, because like the Netflix is like showing it. So it's like such a huge event. You can earn so much money from it because you can have privates with like them. It's like worth so much money. So I think part of it is definitely that. But I think he also maybe he just wants to play. Like I guess. I know how it's like not good for him and a lot of people I see on Twitter are saying how I had like a second grade tier but I had to rest for like six weeks and um for Alcaraz I think him playing that doll is gonna be the first time he's gonna step foot on court and a lot of people are saying that he's risking like furthering his injury because obviously this year is is huge because there's the Olympics and it's also played on clay court which is arguably one of his best surfaces and then there's also the french open which is coming up almost like i think it's happening in may which is like really really soon 
because we have to also consider the Sunshine Doubles, which is the Indian Wells and the Miami Open. So a lot of people are like, he's just risking himself to earn more money. I think he he's in a really difficult position because he can't say no to performing this exhibition. Imagine how much hate he will get. He already has so much hate for just losing a match. So I think he has to play. He really doesn't have a choice. And I think it's really sad how players have to put their sort of body on the line to earn money. Well, not to earn money, but to make sure they don't get backlash or like something denounced. But I feel like because how he is playing against Rafael Nadal, he also don't want to let Nadal down. So it's just like, I don't know, such an interesting thing. I don't know why I talked about it here, but I feel like it's like really important that I have to talk about it. But okay. Okay, let's move on. So now we'll talk about the Dubai Tennis Championships, and we'll talk about the women's singles first. There's so much to talk about, guys. There's so, so much to talk about. So previous years, the Dubai and the Qatar Open, they're alternating. So one is a 500 event, and one is an 1,000 event. But this year, both of these tournaments are 1,000 events, and that's just, like, I don't know, irrelevant information, but I do want to mention that. And, um... We will talk, okay, let's just talk about the two final players. So the first one is Jasmine Paulini, and the other one is Anna Kalinskaya. And personally, I like them both a lot. So Jasmine Paulini is only 5'4", like her height, and she's 28 years old. And this is her, like, she's never been to an 1,000 WTA finals before and her run I would say is really good so a lot of people are like her run isn't as um entertaining as Kalinskaya's I agree because there's a walkover but let me just tell you guys about her run first so she beat Biahad and Maya in her first round which is obviously already incredible he she also bageled her on it for the deciding set and then she played against Layla Ferdinand. Of course, Layla wasn't as amazing as she was in 2021's U.S. Open, but it was still a tough fight regardless. She also beat Maria Sakari. Obviously, Sakari, after she split with her coach, I feel like she's trying to still figure out everything, so she isn't, been, isn't doing that well. And then she got a work, walkover from Rabakina because Rabakina, I believe, had like an um injury or whatever, but I think this was really... like. If Rabakina had not withdraw, I think this is a really amazing matchup. And then Jasmine Paulini's semifinal opponent is Serrano Sturtia, which is another great opponent. And she also won two straight sets. Okay, so that's her run leading up to the final. And then now I'll talk about Anna Kalinskaya. So I would argue that her run is even more incredible because she played in qualifying. So... We'll just disregard the qualifier, but her first round opponent is Hunter from Australia, and she beat her. Second round is Busca, she also beat her, and now it's where it gets good. So she played against Ostapenko, which Ostapenko has been doing so, so well this year. She beat her in two straight sets. She then played against Coco Goff, who... I, I will say he she hasn't had the best start to the year, despite winning ASP Classic, but I just feel like she just hasn't had the best start to the year, because in Australia, even though he made, she made it to the semifinal, Qatar and Dubai, just like, it wasn't for her, and then she beat Iga, Iwa Shirantik, in two straight sets, 
which is insane because I feel like Shimatek is always known for her calm demeanor and her sort of like she's always really good. She's always competing at the top level. It's rare for her to fluctuate, and I think Yuga didn't fluctuate. I think Kalinskaya just outright like played better than her and it frustrated Yuga that she had to throw a racket. I know that this is like a lot of people are like, it's just throwing a racket. It's not that much, like, it's not such like a rare thing. But I think it just, I'm not saying that it like shows how Yuga's like everyone throws a racket. I'm just saying how I feel like it just shows how Kalinskaya frustrates Yuga. And I think this kind of adds more to their matchup, which I will be really excited about in the future. Okay, so that's her run. And then. We'll talk about the final. Guys, so the final was insane. Like, I've never seen a final that's this dramatic before. I don't get it. So, Kanskaya won the first set, and the score was 6-4. And me, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, I think is gonna win. Because even though um, Paulini's playing really good, I just, I don't know, I think Kanskaya just, just like, outplayed her i think she's just like she's striking a ball she's such a good ball striker that i think she's just coming out on top and then in the second set she was leading by a break and then paulini broke back it was five ball and then kansagaya got broken so she lost the second set and at that point i was like it's okay because it's okay. I feel like it's normal for someone who's never won a thousand tournament because know that if Kanskaya wins this tournament, she'll move to the top 20. So obviously there's a lot of pressure, but personally, I did not see this pressure when she played against Iga. But I think that makes sense because it's the final, obviously. And then the deciding set, she was again up a brick, but she got broken. And in her, like, I think she was down 5-6 and she had to hold but she lost like four points in a row. There was a double fall. And I don't know. I think it was just really interesting because Kanskaya, she was playing against Iga. And in her in the second set, I believe she was leading 5-1. But she still managed to close it out. Even though Strontek won three games in a row, she still managed to close it out. But she just couldn't close it, again. She couldn't close it out against Paulini. So... But it was such a good final, everyone go watch it. And I think Paulini really deserved it. And Kalinskaya also had an amazing run in the Australian Open where she made it to the quarterfinal, where she ultimately lost to the tournament finalist, which is Jun Chi Wen. But I think she did really good. And I want to note that in Australian Open, they played like Kalinskaya and Paulini, they played in the fourth round, but Kalinskaya came out on top in two straight sets, 6-4, 6-2. So, I don't know, I think Paulini is such a good opponent, and both players, I think we should look out for them, because I feel like, especially Paulini, he's been on a, she's been on a tour for such a long time, but this is the first time that she actually like won like a thousand tournament. And Kalinskaya had such a great year. I think she'll do really, really well this year, and I'm really happy for both of them. And now we'll talk about the men's singles. So I'll just talk about two matchups, and then we'll wrap up today's episode. So the first matchup I want to talk about is Shapovalov versus Andy Murray. I know, guys. This is a round one matchup. Like, how is that possible? But I think it's because... And also, both players are unseated, which is, like, mind-blowing to me. But I think it's because how Andy Murray and Denis Shapovalov, they are both 
sort of not at their peak anymore because obviously Shapovalov is still really really young I think he still has the ability to go back to where he was maybe anymore less so but I, I don't know yeah but I think it just shows how both players even they aren't as good as they were before it's still like regardless it's a really good matchup the other matchup I want to talk about is Zhang Zhijun versus Andrew Rublev. So, I think I haven't told you guys before, but I love Andre. I don't know. I think, well, I just like his personality. Not when he's on court, but when he's off court and in those um, YouTube sh- YouTube videos. Like, yeah, like the guests, the grunts and stuff. I think he's just really funny. And this is an amazing matchup because I feel like Zhang Zhijun had a good start to the year because in Qatar he um beat Lorenzo Musetti and he also bageled him this score was 6-2 6-0 he played against Gale where he lost but there were two tie breaks and it was sorry there were one tie breaks and one of the set was 7-5 so it was super super close and in Australia he made it to the second round and he lost in a really close match against Humbert of France so I think I wouldn't say that he's had like an like a super super great start, but I feel like his start is decent, so I think this will be an amazing match. And of course, my prediction is Andre's gonna come out on top, but both players I love, so it'll be an amazing matchup. Okay, this sums up today's episode. I feel like I'm sorry if these episodes are getting kind of repetitive, like it's just about tournament tournaments that's happening, but. I don't know. I think it's really important to sum up these tournaments because especially like at this time of the year, there's so much of them. There's like so many of them happening at once that it's really hard to keep track. So I hope that from you guys listening to this episode, you'll know what each of those tournaments are. And yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys want to check out the highlights of the matchups I mentioned, please just go to the show notes. It's all linked down below. And my social media platforms are linked down below as well. So make sure to check out that. And yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Bye.